No one has ever said raising kids is easy. With an overwhelming amount of information about healthy diets, discipline strategies, and the need for more tummy time, it can be really hard to make sense of it all. Welcome to Tot Talk. I'm Mary, a pediatric occupational therapist. And I'm Allison, a pediatric physical therapist. Together, we created Tots on Target to join parents, teachers, and pediatric professionals into one community with the mission to empower each other with a greater understanding of how our children's brains and bodies develop, join us as we discuss the most relevant topics to help keep all our tots on target. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. We are very excited to be having Kristen and Dina of Big Little Feelings. They are huge on Instagram, they're amazing. Um, if you're not on Instagram and don't follow them, then I will fill you in. Dina is a child psychologist. Kristen is a mom of two young, beautiful girls. And together, they just share a ton of really relatable tips on how to manage the minds of our young tots that um, that we try to, you know, we have to figure out what's going on in their brains on a daily basis and help navigate and try to parent as best we can And they are amazing at giving us moms and dads and even teachers, daycare workers, the tools that we need to help relate to our tots. So we're um, we're really excited to have them on. Specifically today, they are going to be talking about how to deal with toddler tantrums. And if you have a toddler, if you work with toddlers, I have certainly had my fair share of toddlers, both professionally and certainly at home. And I will tell you that all toddlers tantrum. So the insights and tips and strategies that they give in this podcast are just things that will help you literally every single day if you are dealing with toddlers. So uh, tune into this one. This is a great one. So many tips you're going to gain from this. And if you haven't yet, please give our podcast five-star rating. A wonderful review would be fantastic. Also, please check out our website, totsontarget.com, where you can sign up, create an account for free, and ask questions, share your parenting stories, and other parents and professionals can join in on the conversation. It's an open platform to discuss everything related to child development, so definitely check it out over there. And without further ado, we're going to introduce our amazing interview. Hey, Dean and Kristen, we are so excited to have you on today. Hi, guys. Thank you. We're so excited. So before we begin, we really want our listeners to get to know you guys a little bit more. So tell us your background and how you two sort of joined forces to create Big Little Feelings. Well, I'll kick us off. So I'm Dina. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist who works specifically with parents and young children. Zero to five is my specialty. And, you know, one thing when we started Big Little Feelings is we wanted parents to have just the best tips and tricks to use at home to calm the chaos that just naturally comes with toddlerhood in this stage because it's hard, Um, all while having tools to really help build these solid foundations for as your kid grows to help them build emotional intelligence and become really resilient over time. Dina and I have been best friends for, God, I don't even want to say how many years, like 20 plus. We grew up together in Los Angeles, so we've been best friends for a really long time. And I had my two girls, and I read every single baby book of his. Like, I am a Virgo. I am the, like, OCD mom. I am, like, the control freak mom trying to recover from that. Um, And I read every single baby book that was out there. And then once I hit the toddler stage, 
I literally didn't even know what was happening the first time that I watched my, you know, 13-month-old at the time kind of fall to the ground and start screaming because she wanted to cross the street. I was like, what is this? No one's prepared me for this. So once, you know, I started texting Dina kind of constantly being like, what do I do with this? What do I do with that? And I didn't really see anything out there that was that was what I, as a mom of two toddlers, needed, which was somewhere that had real tips, real strategies, you know, like ideas are really great, but what exactly do you say in a tantrum? What exactly do you do during a tantrum? What? How do you take a pacifier away? How do you potty train them? Really specific actual advice and help. And Stephanie, I think as moms, we've all been there. I mean, there's a level of what do I do next? Um, sometimes when you're a public place, there's also a bit of embarrassment. I, I mean, I felt that like people are looking at me. How do we handle this? Um, I mean, Dina, from your experience clinically, like why do toddlers tantrum? Such a good question. And actually super important just for understanding your kids' behavior. Toddlers are going through such a unique stage of development right now, especially if you look at how their brains work. So for them, the parts that help with regulating emotions, which means understanding the feeling you're having or the need that's coming up, being able to name it and constructively deal with it, that part of their brain is just completely under construction right now. Same with the parts of their brain that have to do with language. So they just don't have the ability to look inside and say, you know what, I'm feeling so mad right now that my sister took my toy. Instead, what we see is them reacting through their bodies, through falling on the floor, flailing around, hitting. This makes so much sense when you start to understand that the toddler brain is just under construction still. And it's more of a reaction out of emotion. You're right. It's not this conscious thought where they're thinking about other people's perspectives and they're having a whole lot of empathy. It's more of this emotional from the gut reaction to what is happening. Exactly. And for all of us as humans, even as adults, when we're in a really emotional state, we don't easily pause and think and communicate well. When we're totally emotional and dysregulated and melting down, we all just need a moment to pause. And then, you know, we'll, we'll get into this, but when it comes to toddlers, the best time to teach them new skills, because we also want to do that, help them build these coping school skills and communication tools after the tantrum has subsided or the meltdown has calmed. So actually, that brings me to the next question, which is, how do you de-escalate those tantrums? So you gave an example of a 13-month-old, and um, I, I think that actually is a really good age to talk about because their language skills really aren't there, their ability to understand even when you try to explain to them. So what advice do you give to parents, starting with even such a young age where their communication skills are just not there? First of all, looking at tantrums a little bit differently. So yes, we do, by the way, have ways that we can hopefully shorten them, especially over time with consistency, kind of longer terms. But it's also shifting a little bit that in the moment of a tantrum, we're not necessarily the goal isn't like, let's end this right now. Right. Or let's just, you know, that whole you're fine. Stop crying. Stop crying. And the reason why is that, again, like adults, we always kind of bring it back to adults because it's so similar that if you were really, really upset and you were about to, you know, freak out and you instead just decided to push that deep down, it's probably going to come back out later 
in an unrelated way to somebody that doesn't really deserve it and be like a humongous explosion. And so in the moment of a tantrum, when it's already happening, we're already in it, we really actually kind of are okay to let them have that healthy release. Let them get it out. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be mad. And so that actually is the first piece that we do recommend is simply telling, even if they're 13 months old, even if they're two years old, four years old, even if you're 30, to look at them and very calm okay the feeling is always the first step in a tantrum that we recommend it can be such a game changer for a child especially when they're a little bit older and understand but I we believe that even 13 months old 12 months old even younger they can sense when you're kind of like okay stop crying versus if you're leaning in and you're like it's okay to feel this way you're feeling sad it's okay. One of the techniques that I've done in the past, and I don't know if that's right or wrong, is, you know, oh, let's look out the window. Look, there's a squirrel to kind of just um, turn the attention away from the heat of the moment and the um, whatever, you know, set them off, set the child off and redirect them. Is that okay? Or is it really more important to focus on their feeling in that moment? So I think starting with the feeling is super, super important. Just like Kristen was saying, what we want to teach our kids to help them become really resilient is that all feelings are okay. But sometimes the behavior, the way it comes out or is expressed is not okay. Hitting, for example, you can feel angry. Yes. But hitting that boundary is not okay. And that's what we want to start to really bring into awareness and say it and narrate it with them and even take action. So part of what Chris and I really feel is helpful for parents, because when you're in a tantrum moment, it's overwhelming. It's loud. Like, we don't know what to say or do. And that's so natural. But when you have a plan or when you have a script that's kind of in your pocket, you can be that confident parent. Like it's easier to find your calm in the chaos moment. So when it comes to any type of meltdown moment, we kind of have this three-step framework. And Kristen explained step one, which is okay the feeling first. So I see you're angry, but next you're gonna wanna bring in a boundary. That's the part where some behaviors are not okay. Hitting is not okay right? I won't let you hit your sister. I'm going to move her to keep her safe. So sometimes, especially with kind of like safety behaviors, we're actually taking action while we're saying it. We're moving the baby away. And then we want to shift to the yes, which is kind of what you started to describe. So we don't want to distract. And distracting, Mm -hmm. you're not really acknowledging feelings. You're not really narrating the need that's coming up with them or the boundary which really teaches them what's going on. But then when we shift to the yes, we're teaching them how to cope. So, okay, you know, if you feel like hitting, if your body wants to hit, you can hit this pillow, that's safe, right? Or shifting to the yes. We'll have some other examples where it will really come into play because sometimes giving them some age-appropriate power can really prevent and, like, shift them out of power struggle mode or meltdown mode. So Dina did a good one where it's like you're holding the boundary because something's not okay. But I think that your example too of like looking out the window, I'm thinking it's kind of more of those scenarios where they're upset by something you just did or said, or you're saying no, right? This is the boundary or I said no. And so we're melting down. So we're using the same, the same framework. It's okay to feel sad. You're feeling bad. 
iPad is all done right now. That's the boundary. We're all done with iPad. And again, that piece is so important to narrate and say out loud because they're understanding next time that iPad is all done and iPad is all done every time. So when we don't hold that boundary, we go, oh, just five more minutes, fine, just five more minutes or something like that. Then, and then iPad's all done and we shift over to the window. It's just a lot and it's really confusing. That's why we always Mm -hmm. recommend those scripts and staying with, it's okay to feel sad, iPad is all done now. It's time to go outside. Do you want to go do bubbles or do you want to go do sandbox? And so it's less of a distraction and it's more of just kind of narrating. This is what's happening. This is the boundary. We're firm on it. We can choose to do something else right now, though. Like, let's choose to do something else right now. Yeah, it's it's funny. My four year old has recently discovered. So she obviously is older than the 13 month old who doesn't know how to communicate. And she's using communication to continue the conversation after a tantrum. So last night, actually, she didn't want to eat dinner, which I put it in front of her. She didn't want to eat it. She went away. Fine. But then I caught her going into the cabinet trying to find a snack. And I looked at her and I said, sorry, we're, we're not having a snack. And she turned to me instead of throwing herself on the floor. She looked, she's like, I'm not going to play with you if you don't let me have the snack. I did hold my ground, but it is hard sometimes for parents when they begin to even use that language and they turn it back on you. I don't like you. I hate you for not giving me the iPad. Is it similar in terms of holding your ground? How do you deal with that in even an older child who does now understand a little bit more? Yeah, you can really go again with this framework where you're okaying the feeling. It sounds like you're really upset right now. Those words help me understand that you're feeling, it sounds like really angry, right? You really want a snack. I hear you. And it's hard when it's not snack time. So you're going to hold that boundary and just write out the big feelings with them. Allow them to express it because then it shows that you're a safe space for them. You're a safe person who can handle all the big feelings, will be right there with them and still loves them through it. And that is huge for building relational skills for later in life. Those really hard, harsh phrases, um, especially, it it also relates to younger kids. I kind of equate it in my mind to when a younger toddler hits almost, where it's just this really big reaction that they're just so angry. And like Dina said, their brains are still, we're still, and we're experimenting too, right? So the first time your kid ever says, I hate you for or whatever it may be, when we as parents have a huge reaction to that, that's kind of exactly what they were kind of going for, right? And next time they want the snack or next time they want the big attention or the big reaction or something like that, they're going to say, I hate you again. And then they're going to do it again and again and again. Well, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. Get into this cycle. And when we can really calmly work through it and not give a whole lot of attention, especially at this sort of younger age, we're talking toddlers, we're talking five, not give it a whole lot of attention and just kind of look behind it. I hear you're really very angry right now that you don't want a snack and move past it. We find that's a lot better than having, you know, that's not okay. How can you say that to me? And kind of, you know, punishment or get in the corner. You're kind of asking for a lot more of them, of them using it. They can see it. it it's doing something to you. Would you say that it's okay to say, I those words hurt my feelings or those aren't nice words you would stay away from it and just ignore that they said those words at all well that would give it more power you know those words hurt my feeling that's kind of like getting into like a power struggle in some ways and it's it's just more effective to think of it as like hurt people 
hurt people, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. when they're saying hurtful things, they're feeling hurt themselves. And if you can dive into those feelings and stay calm and confident, it'll, it'll really kind of like take the power away from these words over time. And a good idea too is maybe later on, maybe not in the heightened moment at all, maybe during bedtime to kind of explore those words in a really non-judgmental way. So if we right away are talking about it and it comes up, those are hurtful that hurt me, that hurt my feelings. Maybe instead to just kind of talk through, hey, you said this earlier. What do you think that the word hate means? What do you think it means when you say things like that? And then what are some things that you could do when you're feeling really angry instead of saying the words or instead of doing this? What are some things that we can do? And just keep going through those coping skills of you're feeling angry. What are some things we can do when we feel angry? And that's a big part of what we teach even from two years old, where it's like deep breaths, deep tiger breaths, teaching coping skills at a later moment. I have, I have two comments. I was thinking about how important it is. I love what you said about helping them to label feelings because, you know, young kids may not even know what that feeling is. They just feel like a really strong emotion. And by you saying, well, you sound angry or you sound sad or I noticed, then it's helping them sort of make sense of these really big feelings. But I love how you said, how you recommended that because I could really see how that could be helpful just later on being able to identify uncomfortable feelings and sort of being able to classify them a little bit. And then my follow-up comment is how important is it to sort of, I've seen this like phrase on like Instagram and stuff about like holding space. So like how important is it to stay there with them in the tantrum rather than like say they're tantruming in their room and then like you leave the room? Like, is it important to stay physically with them? I mean, of course, if you're, you're not concerned, they're going to hurt themselves, but is, is it okay to leave them crying in the room or is it important to stay there and hold that space with them? So we're going to encourage you to stay there with them and okay. to be there through those big feelings okay. for a few different reasons. One is it becomes an amazing opportunity to help them understand what the feelings are, like you were just saying. Okay. And two, it starts to build this trust in your relationship that all their feelings really are welcome in the family and that they're not going to be sent away or isolated or rejected from the family for having big feelings, especially when they're young. And these are the skills that they need to build, right? Is how mm -hmm. to understand what's going on and how to handle it constructively. And when we send them away to time out, a lot of times what happens is the feelings get bigger. They become more emotional because they're being sent away and isolated. And that actually blocks learning. So timeouts can really, unfortunately, like perpetuate some big behaviors in the moment. In this one moment, it may stop the behavior. But mm -hmm. over time, you'll likely see them become bigger. Mm -hmm. And one super fascinating thing about kind of like this idea of not staying with them is if you look at brain studies, what you end up seeing is that relational pain of being isolated or rejected registers in your brain very similar to physical pain, right? Mm -hmm. So pain is pain. And um, yeah, staying with them just really can be this amazing opportunity to help them build trust in relationships Trust people that they'll stay with you through your hard times and not abandon you and understand emotions. 
we um we try really hard to separate feelings from behaviors, right? And so when you're saying is it a, is you know do we let them learn when they're having just the tantrum or the meltdown or the crying to then just leave them? In that moment, a tantrum is basically just them being very sad or very mad or very angry. And so I do again always like to think of it from an adult perspective. So if you were really upset and just having a horrible day and you came home and maybe it was ridiculous, right? And, and maybe it wasn't, for whatever reason it may be, and your partner kind of walks in, sees you crying and then walks right back out, it just wouldn't really feel that good. And that's why we recommend as long as, you know, they want it. Sometimes kids, by the way, will be like, leave me alone. And that's okay. That's okay, right? If, you, if they want to be left alone, give them a little space. But generally speaking, we can still support them through a tantrum through big emotions, through anger, through sadness, and hold whatever boundary of behavior is not okay. It's two kind of separate things. And and I, I do love this idea. Um, however, as I mentioned earlier, I had, you know, four kids within five and a half years, three of them being within two years. And um, I unfortunately had to deal with several tantrums at the same time, often because they either you know, instigated the other or, you know, one got something that the other didn't. And there was a lot of commotion going on at the same time. And it is very hard when you are one person and there are even one tantrum is too much, but more than one tantrum feels extremely overwhelming. So that was actually one of the questions we also got when we posted it on Instagram. How do you manage giving your full emotional support to so many kids who need emotional support? I'm with you every day on this one, by the way. <laughs> I only have two, but I mean, still. And you know what? Sometimes it's like the dog, too. Like, So as a mom, I, I could not relate more to what you are saying. And I think that it's so, from our perspective, it's so hard because when one kid is upset, you it's just like, if anyone is upset, anyone of your kids is upset, it's just heartbreaking. It's also just like, you're also just overwhelmed. So you're just like, how can I do this? What can I do right now? Oh, like, can one of you just stop? So it's really important to know that just like we say all the time, that all feelings are okay. I bet, you know, we kind of recommend that you zone in on the one who kind of needs more. Maybe they're physically, you know, out of control or they got hit or they're the ones who got hurt. And you kind of go with that kid first. Um, and then into the rest, you know, the rest, I say the rest because you have four. Yeah. <laughs> I'm picturing like a lot, just the rest of them, the whole thing. What you're picturing is probably happening on some days of the week. So. <laughs> Um, the other child or the other kids, if they're simply, you know, melting down, they're having tantrum, they're having a hard time, we can look over, make eye contact. Sarah, I hear that you're upset. You're looking so upset. You really want the toy car. I'm with Michael right now. I'll be with you in two minutes, whatever it may be. And that's enough. That's okay. And that's, we have to, as mothers, kind of know they are safe. They are not in danger. It's okay for people to feel sad. Sadness is okay. Anger is okay. We're still giving them our love and our attention by just simply stating, we see you, we hear you, and I'll be with you in a few minutes. That's okay. And we recommend that even if there's only one child and you're cooking dinner, by the way. So you don't need all incredibly guilty that you can't just, you know, I think that is something that maybe it's like a little bit of a, not a misconception, but it's confusing where it's like, you don't need to drop everything and, and rush and make this big, you know, 
kumbaya moment every <laughs> single time. It, it could be a simple acknowledgement of feelings, okaying the feelings. I see you're sad. I hear you're sad. That's so hard. I'll be with you in three minutes. Um, I'm, I'm sure that others can relate to this when sometimes, you know, if you do have more than one child and one tends to be the more emotional than the others. Um, and you seem to always be saying to the same child, I'll be with you soon. How does that play out really, right? Do, do you agree with that, Mary? Sometimes there's that one kid that always seems to need more of your attention during these moments, but you're often pushing those the same other child or children off to the side for those minutes. And I don't know, it's a complicated situation. I, I don't know what the advice is there, but it's something that I think probably happens in most homes with multiple children. It definitely happens in mine because my, my younger is um, what you would call, yeah, she's just a little more volatile. She's strong well. She's got big emotions. She also even, which kind of takes it to the next level, she has some medical issues. So, like, doctors are focusing on her a lot. You know, there's a lot of focus on her. And so I'm very aware of what you're saying. And I think that that dynamic happens all the time. Usually the younger one needs a lot of attention. So the older one, it can happen in so many different scenarios. So this is where at least, you know, in my house and what we kind of recommend is, and with four kids, it's a lot, but we do recommend what we call the 10 minute miracle. That is 10 minutes undivided, focused, special time with that one kid. Now, if you have four kids, maybe you're doing one each day. We Let's be realistic about this so that you're not overwhelmed. There are no siblings, by the way. There's no phones, no one else, just you and your one child. And that way, that, that child feels their attention tank being filled up. It's kind of crazy. You think, oh, it's only 10 minutes. How much could that do? But when I'm in it, with my older daughter who isn't getting a whole lot of attention and we're just coloring. We're just doing something so normal that she picks. And it's this incredibly special 10 minutes and we both really feel like filled up after that. And it can be quite a game changer. I have a question, not to get too much off topic, but when you were talking about how the brain kind of processes like emotional discomfort, it could almost feel like a physical discomfort, which was really I found that interesting and sad all at the same time. Um, obviously, we're all raised differently. How do you know if, as a parent, some of these tantrums are triggering you, maybe something you experienced in childhood, and how should you know when maybe there's some inner work that you need to do as a parent to handle this a little bit better? Totally. So the way yeah. that we were parented when we were younger as children definitely impacts how we're triggered when we are parents mm -hmm. ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so one way that I like to think of it is almost like the three SCs of security, right? Mm -hmm. Security is when we feel safe enough in relationships that we can really like ask for help when we need it. And we built the tools to be able to understand what we're feeling and how to handle it. And in order to get this, there are kind of like three pillars. So one is feeling safe and contained. So if as children, we physically were safe, we were not being abused, but also emotionally safe enough to really authentically express our feelings and our needs. Big part of, okay, the feelings. The other one is soothed and comforted. So when we were upset as kids, did our parents show up for us and show us compassion and comfort and offer hugs? Or did they get angry when we had big feelings and, you know, kind of sent us to time out or hit us? 
And then the last one is feeling seen and cared for. And so that one is, did your parents stop and really try to understand what was going on inside for you and show that they care about it, right? If you're in pain, do they care? Or do they care that you're sad or scared or upset? So those are the three pillars, feeling safe and contained, seen and cared for, soothed and comforted. And when we didn't have that necessarily as kids ourselves, those become our triggers later in life because we didn't really build, call it like the neural connections to have the tools to handle this sometimes. So if you find yourself triggered, just know there's nothing wrong with you. It comes from a really, really deep place. And what's really cool is we can kind of update our toolbox at any point. It just takes some work. So, I mean, then you guys are really doing incredible work because think of if you're giving parents these tools to sort of go back and heal themselves in a way, and then their children are parented a little bit different or they use these techniques, you could really, I mean, effectively change a generation of people and how they, so it's really incredible. Yeah, we hope so. And, you know, even as parents, we find that if we just start doing these things with our own kids, I can speak from experience. I was not raised in a big little feelings home. You know, and I think a lot of a lot of our generation wasn't. It doesn't necessarily need to be incredibly traumatic. It could just be that when I felt sad or had a big feeling, I was sent to a timeout. You know, it was where I was told like, "You're fine. You're fine. Get over it. You get out there. You're fine. You love it. What are you talking about? You love it. Just that kind of thing." And so it wasn't until I had my own kids and went in, into this and like dove head first into it that. You know, I realize I push a lot of my own emotions down that I become explosive, that I'm either one thing or the other. I either push it deep, deep down and I'm like ice cool and mm-hmm. not very vulnerable and keeping everything really close or I exploded. And it wasn't until I started having my kids and really like going into this like research and, and this new way of kind of parenting that just through doing it to my children, it has reparented me in a way where now I know that it's okay to feel sad. So I just feel sad. When I feel a certain way, I can be open and vulnerable with somebody else about. It's just really kind of cool that that you can reparent yourself at the same time of, of parenting your kids. Probably the best part of parenting for me is when I see my daughter turn to my other daughter or a dog or somebody on the street or a little bug on the ground and says, are you okay? It's okay to feel sad. You can feel sad when you're hurting. You know, we're so hard on ourselves. And I'm in the same boat as you were. She did something the other day. I forgot what it was. But I was like, oh, God, you picked up that I was a little angry about that. You know, she's like, oh, I thought I'd be in trouble. I'm like, how do you even, you know, something like that. But when you see it on the other side where you're like, oh, my this is working. Like she's picking up what I'm saying. Yes, we're doing it. They pick up everything. And you're right. It doesn't happen overnight. You're going to go through probably a lot of tantrums until you hear your daughter say to a bug, I'm sorry that you're hurt. You know, it takes, you know, four years is a long time. Like I've been, I've been doing the same kind of framework for four years, but it's, you know, she's the only one at the playground when someone gets hurt. A lot of kids, it's just a natural reaction. Adults too, by the way, my husband finds physical comedy to be very funny. So oftentimes when people get hurt, a lot of kids and my husband, they laugh. And my little girl runs up and is like, are you okay? it's okay to feel sad but it took it takes four years it takes a long time to get here and it's not every time but when that happens it's just so nice to see and you will see it you'll you'll see it oh i just think that's so important though because the key to all of this is really consistency and there are days when you just like will feel kind of dejected or like it's not working to trust the process that if you're consistent it really is it's like 
planting seeds, right? It's going to take some time to really see them start to bloom and blossom. You know, we're talking about a lot of tantrums that happen at home, whether it's like the iPad or snacks, et cetera, bedtime. But often a lot of tantrums can also occur outside the home in a supermarket, at a soccer field, right? Somebody didn't treat them the right way and now they're melting down. And we said in the beginning, it, it could be really embarrassing, actually. So when you don't actually have the time to sit and work through the emotions and everybody's staring at you, it is the best way to move forward. I think that we, the same way, and maybe I'm wrong here, but the same way that we're kind of generationally changing the way that we parent our kids, that we're no longer spanking. Spanking was like everyone, you know, and that's, we're moving away from that. And I think we're moving away from a lot of different things of the you're crying or stop crying. I kind of think our generation is going to start to move away from being embarrassed in public about your child having a very healthy reaction that every other child is having. So just because your child is having it in public, Every single other child that is around you or person is around you that has had kids before, their kids had the same, the exact same meltdown. So why are we embarrassed? It's also an incredibly healthy sign of development if our toddlers were not melting down their brains wouldn't be developing correctly. It's almost like, why are we embarrassed? Why are we, you know, so afraid of this? And if we all were just kind of more okay with it, then we wouldn't necessarily need to, to kind of stop it, if you will. So, I mean, that's to say in the moment, we kind of recommend doing the exact same, the exact same framework. And that's because when we are in the moment and we say, you know, stop crying, stop crying or do this, they're probably going to explode even more. It's not like we have some secret magic way that you can just get your kid to kind of stop crying in that second. The only way that I, that we have seen works is something that is not going to be great long term, which is you're in a grocery store. They want the cookies. You don't necessarily want them to have the cookies right now. You're the parent. You're, you know, that's not the time for the cookies. In the moment, what's a way to get them to stop crying? Give them the cookie. Okay, but then next time when you're in the grocery store, they're going to scream even louder and then get the cookies. And then the next time they're going to scream even louder and louder and louder. And so they're really the answer is the same framework. It's okay to feel sad. You're feeling sad. We're not having cookies right now. What time do you want to have cookies when we, whatever the shift to the yes is. And the more consistently we can do that, the less often they're going to melt down in public because they know, okay, even if I scream right now, I'm not getting the cookies. So Oh, there's no point in melting down right now. Like if you're at a park and they're just having like a wild meltdown, you know, at soccer practice, oftentimes if you just get down with them, you go down to eye level, you say, I see you are so upset right now. That was really upsetting what just happened. I'm right here with you. And you can kind of like take them aside if they're really worked up, but stay with them. A lot of times just okaying that feeling will help them move through it faster. Yeah, there's, I told Dina this example, actually, from my uh, daughter's birthday party. She just had her fourth birthday party, and she always has whew, big meltdowns on holidays. It's just, I mean, I think all toddlers do, by the way, every holiday. And you're kind of just like, this is Christmas. Like, this is for you. What are you doing? You know, it's just, now I know. 
like, okay, we're just, this is going to happen. It's okay. And we were having a moment where it was not about the cake, but she wanted her cake to be the way that somebody else's cake was. And so four or five different adults are coming over and they're picking up her cake and they're flipping it over and they're flipping it this way and then they flip it this way. And she's like, it's not like Emmett's. I want it like Emmett's cake. I want it like, and everybody's flipping as many times. There was no other way to flip the cake is what we're saying. And we're negotiating and we're pleading. And finally, I had to kind of step in and just literally just crouch down and Dina was saying, and I'm like, you're feeling overwhelmed. You're feeling sad about the cake. I hear you want it to be flipped. That's okay to feel that way. And she then went on and she ate her cake and she was okay after that moment. I didn't know if that was necessarily going to quote unquote work, but that's what it took to get past that moment. And it's okay for her to have that moment. I don't need to take her outside. We don't need to hush her. We don't need to stop her. It's okay for her to do that. And it's another example, though, of when when a kid is really emotionally upset, reasoning is just not going to work. <laughs> like, that part of their brain is totally offline. It almost makes it escalate even more. Because as you say, like even a birthday party, sometimes it's not actually about the cake per se. It's the overwhelming God. nature of the whole day or the experience. My, my daughter's fourth birthday just passed in September, and I basically made a birthday party for her friends because she left the party. She, yes. she loves parties. She's been talking about her birthday for six months and she basically walked away because it just got overwhelming for her so it's not always about the the moment that they're targeting and exploding about it but when it's something like a birthday we can kind of equate it and we're like oh it's overwhelming because it's a birthday but it's that but every day this is what it's like to be a toddler this is what dean and i always talk about where it's like when they're first looking at a like when my daughter first learned how to kind of talk maybe around even two and it's like she would say oh that's a kitty and i'd be like yeah look at that crap and she would absolutely lose her mind if I said cat versus kitty you know that right where it's like they've learned something something is fine okay I finally get this down I don't know anything about the whole world but now I know this so like let's not change anything so it's back to that almost every day is like a birthday party everything is overwhelming they're learning everything for the first time and that's why often they're melting down about things that make no sense because they're trying to make sense of things that don't make sense yet We got a question on our Instagram, and I just want to make sure I ask you guys, um, and it was, how do you handle tantrums when there is a speech delay? Are there any ways, I don't know, I mean, they didn't didn't specify, they meant, you know, receptive or expressive delay, but if there's a speech delay in place, um, is there a different way that you approach the tantrum? Yeah, so we recommend using the same framework when there is speech delays or even when they are pre-verbal. So we recommend the same even if they're 12 months old or nine months old and they aren't even speaking yet or if they're speech delayed. We use the same framework. You can always use less words. You can say something like, but they can really understand and feel when you're saying it's okay to feel sad. I don't think we need to modify that in any way. You can say, all done, iPad, and use signs. All done, all done, iPad. That's the boundary. Shifting to the yes, something simple. Okay, go bubbles or go go play in sandbox. But it's the same framework, the same understanding. We're communicating through our body language of it's okay to feel this way. Plus, holding that boundary is an action that we're doing over and over and over. So they're understanding, okay, iPad's all done. Okay, iPad's all done. Because when you say iPad all done, iPad is closing and being put away. So through that consistency of repetition of actions, they're starting to understand this is what's happening. 
Exactly. And with a speech delay, it's important to understand a lot of times they can understand before they can speak back. So like Kristen was saying, definitely keep narrating in the moment because you're building an amazing foundation for moving forward with emotions. And also we can just kind of expect them to be frustrated at times because they want to communicate. They know what they want to try and convey and it's frustrating. So you can also just okay that emotion too. It's so frustrating. We're huge fans of your Instagram account and you guys on um, you guys have so much information on here, different tr- tips and tricks for parents. Um, but you also offer um, a course, an online course. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so our online course is called Winning the Toddler Stage, and we really tried to put everything anyone with a toddler would need into this one course. So it's not just behavioral, you know, just tantrums. We really wanted this to be kind of a one-stop shop. If you have a toddler, this is the course for you. So we cover what to do and say in the moment of a tantrum. We cover how to prevent tantrums in the first place. So there's nine different strategies of before a tantrum even happens, we could probably prevent it by doing these little tips and tricks. Um, we have covered discipline because that's very confusing. So how do we discipline? Because not all behavior is okay. So how can we do that in a, in a loving and supportive and emotionally resilient way? And then we have a nitty gritty module, which is our favorite. So it was like, Everything I was trying to find and I couldn't find. So how do you take a pacifier away? How do potty troubles, um, new baby, sharing, siblings, bath time, every toddler problem under the sun, we put it in there. And then two sleep, two guides, really, that will walk you through eating. So if you have a picky eater, you want to prevent picky eating, daily tips to use, and then a sleep guide, which is probably my favorite, actually. You know, how to get through night wakings, how to transition from a crib to a bed, laying with them if they're stalling at night before bedtime. So this is great. So then also let, let our listeners know how they can find you. Yes, you can find us on Instagram at Big Little Feelings. We post there every day in stories and posts. Um, and then our course is at the link in bio or at biglittlefeelings.com. This has been awesome. Dean and Kristen, thank you so much. And I encourage everybody to follow along because you guys have so much information and it's really, really needed. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please note that this is general information. And since we do not know your child, it is best to contact your pediatrician or local pediatric professional if you have specific concerns. We invite you to continue the conversation on this topic in our online community at totsontarget.com. Additionally, you can find any toys, books, or products we mentioned in our Amazon storefront located in our show notes or on our website. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook for daily tips on how to keep your tot on target.